Section 31 of The Uses of Diversity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The Uses of Diversity by G. K. Chesterton. The Plan for a New Universe. There is one theory of the origin of species which I have never seen suggested. Probably this is because I have never read the numberless and voluminous works in which it has been suggested. For I have read much matter things, and nothing mad is likely to have been missed by the modern mind. But since it shocked the respectability of agnostics to suggest that all creatures have been made different by God, why did nobody suggest that they have been made different by man? Why not trace the vast variety of animals as we can really trace the vast variety of dogs? The dog is already almost a world in himself, with all the appearance of distinct orders and types. A St. Bernard approaches the size and surpasses the legendary virtues of a lion, while there is a sort of Pekingese which a man might almost tread on as a somewhat unpleasing insect. Yet all this world of evolution has presumably had man for its god suppose our sphere in space has itself been the island of dr moreau suppose man had some prehistoric civilization so colossal and complete that all beasts were beasts of burden or all animals were domestic animals that all rabbits were pet rabbits or all fleas performing fleas suppose the tame bird came first and what we know as the wild bird afterwards Mr. Bernard Shaw, in some of his early anti-domestic diatribes, compared a woman in the home to a parrot in the cage, saying that mere custom made us think the connection natural. The answer, it has always seemed to me, is strangely obvious. It is surely plain that the housewife is not the bird in the cage, but the bird in the nest. But if in that age of wild skeptics anyone had wished to outdo Mr. Shaw in paradox, he could have done it brilliantly by this hypothesis that the colors of a parrot were actually produced in a cage and that an exiled bird only built himself a rude den of sticks and mud as an outlaw does when driven from his home suppose in short that man has not only been a dog fancier but a wolf fancier and a hyena fancier suppose he really fancied a rhinoceros suppose some prehistoric squire kept a stud of giraffes or his money-lender got a peerage on the plea that he had improved the breed of crocodiles. Then we have only to suppose this universal zoo broken up like the Roman Empire, and all we see is its neglect and riot. The tiger is a stray cat, especially large and handsome cat, who took the prize, and the prize-giver, and escaped to the jungle. A whale was some sort of hornless cow sent into the sea like a newfoundland dog who suddenly refused to come back again this thesis accounts for the comparative rapidity of differentiation over which the geologists fight with the biologists it accounts rationalistically for those evidences of a creative purpose which are so distressing to a refined mind it accounts for the camel who seems always to have been in captivity and accounting for a camel is something above all it accounts for that very vivid impression of something in various species at once outrageous and exact jeffreys found in the farcical outlines of fish or bird 
the notion that they must have been produced without design to me this sounds like saying that the caricatures of max beerbohm must have been produced without design i could as easily believe so far as this mere aesthetic impression goes that the face on a gargoyle was merely moulded by the pouring rain artistically the sunfish or the hornbill do not look in the least like accidents but it might be maintained that they look like fashions there are some tropical birds and fruits that really have the cut and colors of novelties in a shop window we might fancy that an elephant was designed in the same taste as babylonian architecture or the leopard and the tiger to match the tapestries of the east there is probably somewhere a bird as sinister and terrifying as a top hat and in some luxuriant jungle a plant as preposterous as a pair of trousers the monsters may be only antiquated fashion plates for this is one of the numberless neglected fallacies in the clotted folly of eugenics even if we could in the abstract breed humanity well there would be a flutter of modes and crazes about which was considered well-bred the dog is bred with design but surely not always with discretion the dachshund appears to have been pulled out on the rack of some demonic vivisectionist and somebody seems to have cut off the bulldog's nose most emphatically to spite his face on the analogy of the things we do breed the eugenist must be expected to produce a brood of hunchbacks or a pure race of albinos it is i hope unnecessary to remark that i do not believe in this theory but there have been people who might well have believed in it there were people who could believe in swinburne's sentiment glory to man in the highest for man is the master of things and it would surely have completed this consciousness in the poet if he could have thought that the birds of putney heath where he walked or the fishes in the sea where he was so fond of swimming were doing tricks taught to them as to performing dogs suppose that such a fancy had fitted in with one of the humanitarian religions of that time how far would it have satisfied what was often called the religious sentiment it would not have satisfied any religious sentiment not even swinburne's he would have cared as little as shelley to claim the birds when he could not claim the sky he certainly would have been much annoyed with the notion of loving the fishes if he were not allowed to go on loving the sea and though he poisoned paganism with pessimism a thing not only more false but more frivolous though he tried to love the sea as a wanton to admire the sky as a tyrant though this morbidity weakened his love of nature not only as compared with virgil or dante but as compared with wordsworth or whitman yet he was like every poet elemental and what he loved were the elementary things and this is an essential of any poetry and any religion it must appeal to the origins and deal with the first things however much or little it may say about them it must be at home in the homeless void before the first star was made the one thing every man knows about the unknowable is that it is the indispensable now if any reader thinks that the scientific heresy i sketched above is too irrational for moderns to have held i have the pleasure of informing him that moderns are now about to announce or have already announced a new heresy somewhat analogous but much less rationalistic and much less rational there is a new religion that is a new fault being found in the old religion 
there is a new plan for a new universe which may be expected to last for many a long month to come it is the view that seems to have satisfied mr wells or at any rate mr britley it is the view which has been more than once suggested by mr shaw and it is repeated in the skeleton of certain lectures he is delivering it is much more supernatural or even superstitious than my imaginary thesis for instead of giving to man more of the powers of god it arbitrarily imagines god and then limits him with the impotence of man he is not limited in his theologies by his own reason or justice or desire for the freedom of man he is limited by unreason and injustice and by the impossibility of freedom even for himself but i do not make this note upon the new development with any intention of discussing it thoroughly in its theological aspect though there is one aspect of that aspect which may respectfully be called amusing when i was a boy christianity was blamed by the freethinkers for its anthropomorphic demigod substituted by savages for the unknown god who made all things now christianity is blamed for the flat contrary because its god is unknown and not anthropomorphic enough thirty years ago we only needed the first person of the trinity and thirty years later we have discovered that we only need the second this sort of fashion plate philosophy will no doubt go on as usual in a few decades we may be told that our fathers were profoundly right when they believed in the archangel gabriel but made an inexplicable mistake when they believed in the archangel raphael we shall learn that the seraphim are an exploded superstition but the cherubim a most valuable and novel discovery and as my note is not concerned with the theological neither is it directly concerned with the purely logical side of it here again it seems obvious that all the doubts which legitimately attach to the idea of a progressive humanity are absolutely fatal to the idea of a progressive divinity a man may be progressing towards god but what is god progressing towards and how does he know which of two developments in consciousness is the better e g an imaginative compassion or an imaginative cruelty if there be no aboriginal standard in his own nature i am here only concerned to note the failure of this fancy where it is parallel to the failure of the fancy i mentioned first and it is the weakness which would instantly be discovered in both of them not only by every poet but by every child it is that unless the sky is beautiful nothing is beautiful unless the background of all things is good it is no substitute to make the foreground better it may be right to do so for other reasons but not for the reason that it is the root of religion materialism says the universe is mindless and faith says it is ruled by the highest mind neither will be satisfied with the new progressive creed which declares hopefully that the universe is half-witted end of section thirty one